He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. What can you see, Zane? I can see a little boat. You can just see it down just at back of the oil. And that's the arena. And that's Tiahatera Motere. The island. Tiahatera or. Motiti. So, as I was saying before, there's definitely a. Usually, when the waves wash up, it's not exactly crystal clear, but you can see as it washes up and then goes back. <laughs> There's like a thin film of a brown substance. You can't. Rec- can you smell that, Zane? What can you smell? Oil. Is it strong? Yep. When you heard about the oil spill, how did you feel? Sad. Cause, cause the boat fell down in these containers inside them, inside Tangaroa, and they're not allowed to swim. That's me and my nephew Zane. At the time, he was eight years old. Today, he's, well, ten years older and taller than me. At 2.20am on the 5th of October 2011, the cargo ship Rena struck the Otaiti Reef, a few kilometres from the Tauranga coastline. The event, the worst maritime environmental disaster in the country's history, leaked over 350 tonnes of oil into the ocean. Containers with plastic beads, butter and plastic washed up on the shores. Dead wildlife stretched the coastline. Oil and debris spread into areas from Parihauraki in the Coromandel towards Whakatohia, Torere and Naitai in the Bay of Plenty. Tauranga Moana is my hometown. I was there a few days after, on the ground, as large-scale coordination, massive clean-ups and call-to-action planning was at its peak. A tangata whenua hui was held at Whareroa Marae. Now, this was recorded on the 14th of October 2011 with Motiti Kaumatua, Nepia Ranapia. Major damage. I've just talked to my boy and he's just emotional on the beach to see the rubbish, the oil, and there's a big container smashed up on the rocks and the smell, and that's just below my place. So he's very, he was very emotional when I was talking to him. We've heard that there's three containers. Up my end, because oh. the, the island's quite large. We know there's others on the northern end. We're, I'm on the western side, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful when I go back... And I've got to see, we have a lot of ancient rock carvings there from the ancient people. I'm fear that they have fallen. You know, taro. Enga mana enga reo, koutou rā kua whakarongo pikari mai nei ki tēnei hōtaka ko Justine Maria Hou. He hokinga mahara, 10 years on after the Rena incident. Tonight's interviews are reflective and are about the personal experiences of our kai kōrero. As mentioned, I'm from Tauranga Moana, my whānau links are to this area. 
the three iwi, Ngai Tirangi, Ngāti Ranginui and Ngāti Pūkinga rallied during this environmental crisis. Now at the time, again this is 2011, my cousin, Irihāpiti Dixon, was part of the coordination team located in a former supermarket building that transformed into the Incident Command Centre. Now the centre, as you can imagine, involved hundreds of moving parts – Logistics, organising cleanups, health and safety issues, the salvage operation. It was international news. Because you were really the centre of it. How did you feel about the circus, the media circus going on around you at the time? Security would come to us and say, Oh, so and so is at the gate. Would you like them to come in? Um, nine times out of ten, I'd say, No, I'm busy, you know? Yeah. I haven't got. The, I didn't have the time to sit down and and court it all. Yeah, yeah. When there was, you know, there was more important things to do. Was making sure that everything we needed was being activated. You know, at that time, what do you remember? What kind of sticks in your mind the most? Receiving the call from my my daughter Hiraina, early morning call, advising us of the of the ship that went aground on Otaiti. Um, another thing too was we were grateful because it was during the school holidays. And so having all the whānau over there, they were able to mobilise, not realising just the magnitude of the disaster. They did their best with what they had. Having whānau contacts was a major resource. Getting in touch with whānau at um, Balance for rubbish bags, the big bags. Getting in touch with our local flight centre, Island Air. Just a matter of setting up things. Putting people in relevant places like at the Ngaitarangi Runanga for the, where the volunteers were being recruited. Even in the command centre. Identifying those that would be beneficial to us on Mōtiti. A lot of people didn't know about Mōtiti at that time. We tried to keep it a secret. Unfortunately, yeah. after this incident, it was no longer a secret, a secret place where we go, we as family go to, you know, just to, to have our time yes. away from the mainland, <laughs> yeah. concrete jungle. It kind of sprung into that mm. worldwide stage, basically. It certainly did go global. I had um, ma- I, I made contacts with people from all over the globe because of what was required over there and what they required, and a lot of it was monitoring. That needed a lot of negotiating, especially amongst my family on Mōtiti. We're pretty... Um, we don't like a lot of people to come over and disturb our way of life. Mm. So ever since... In the last 10 years, that actually has occurred. There's been major changes in our way of life over there. There's been offers of doing our roads, doing uh, piers, doing wharves. Okay, they'd be beneficial, but our way of life would definitely be disturbed. Take the roads, for instance. At the moment, the speed limit on our roads is like between five and six kilometres an hour. <laughs> if we had uh, tar-sealed roads, yeah, that would jump and cause, you know, cause havoc. 
Because at the moment, none of the whare are uh, connected to things like... No, we have no utilities. It's all self-sufficient over there. We're autonomous, and we tried to remain that way. But in saying that, people that were genuine in their offers of cleaning up around the island. Mm. I spent some time up at our top marae with some of the volunteers. They were all ages, all ethnicities. It was yeah. great. It was great. And um, just to share, them, share with them some of our history, they were blown away. While the environmental impact was severe, Rihapiti remembers the camaraderie and the community effort. And then there was the iwi support from outside of the region. Myself being Patuai and Ngaitirangi was having those contacts. Mm. Having lived here all my life, our family, having and being from Matapihi and also being from Mōtiti, the extended whānau were there, you know, and were offering offering their help left, right and centre. And these weren't only whānau, they were whānau in businesses. They just wanted to help out. There was whānau from all over the motu that came to help. Mm. There was donations from all over the motu. Um, ministerial, you know, um, at that time, Minister Sharples, were donating. There was other iwi like Ngaitahu, Kaitahu, significant donations, um, Napuhi, and also our own local rohe, local Waiariki rohe. In the meantime, I believe other other sources were helping out, like our Runanga and Fakatane, Ngatiawa, because Patuai comes in Ngatiawa. And that's one of the unique things about Mōtiti. And because te whānau o comes under Ngaitirangi, and because we've got a foot in both, you know, <laughs> it worked out well. We helped each other. Because yeah. Matakana was the same, mm-hmm. you know. Whatever they needed, I'd try and help out. And Oriti with them, mm. same with them. We supported each other, yeah. and that's the way whānau do it. What can you remember that could washed up? to the shore. Even now, even today, when we walk along some of the beaches around the more the rocky shorelines, you'll see all these tiny little translucent beads, beads. yeah, amongst the rocks or amongst the stones. The crates of plastic that was squashed, you know, and packed in um, crates. Oh, you mean the plastic recycling that's in the containers that's shipped off overseas. That's right. Those were a headache. Um, Clothes. It was all sorts of rubbish. I think I just heard butter. (laughs) Butter And timber. And and timber. Timber. All sorts of timber. Treated, untreated. Because of those ones that were helping out in that first week after the grounding, um, I think some of them ended up with new steps. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Rights of salvage, you know. veranda pop up. What is of the island today? What can you share about the whānau there, um, about the environment? It landed on the top part of our Otaiti and sort of rolled down down the slope of it because right. it's, it's quite a big reef yes that's where um, my tupuna used to go and you know fish hapuka 
do a lot of fishing out there. It was a Tongaika, you know, it was a fishing ground. Today, as you know, we're going through a bit of Mecca. Yes, um, marine and coastal. There's a reserve that's been placed around certain areas around Motiti. Mecca, or the Marine and Coastal Area, or Takutai Moana Act 2011, is about the customary rights of iwi, hapu and whānau in marine and coastal areas. Now, in recent weeks, iwi and hapu in Tauranga have presented their claims to the High Court. Now, the purpose of the Act itself is about customary interests, recognition of mana tukuiho, and to acknowledge the Treaty of Waitangi. Now, in 2020, the Environment Court ruled to implement a reserve near Motiti Island, named the Motiti Protection Areas. Now, this prohibits fishing and collecting shellfish at Otaiti Reef, Te Porotiti Reef, Okarapu Reef, Motuhaku and Motuno Islands. And this is, a, this is another headache for us on Motiti because what's, what that's actually done is if they've closed off the outer islands, made them into reserves. So now, pleasure boats, uh, recreational fishers, move in closer around the island. Everyone knows, well, everyone from here knows that that's our, our kapata, our cupboard. Kapata kai, yeah. Mm. It's, it's so that's that unfortunate that's, yeah, that that's happened. But again, all this was going on during the... During the Rena, you know, there was a lot of political stuff going on. There was a lot of, like I, like I said one time, this has certainly brought out the avarice in people, you know, the greed. Mm. And it's sad, but we carry on. The island is resolute. Yeah, we yeah. carry on. We do what we can. Like my family, we go over there quite often. I know, I see the photos on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're quite welcome to come over. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we go over there quite often to relax, rejuvenate. Yeah, my, um, my son and brothers, they go over there for wānanga, you know, wāmuko. Mum and I, we used to go over there just to relax. <laughs> <laughs> How was the Pātaka Kai? You still get a decent feed of kina and fish and... Some of the beaches that we go to now, they're getting a bit skint. Actually, they are skint. So we have... We're going to... Actually, we always have had sort of like monitoring going on. Right. Yeah. Whānau no, no monitoring. Mm. So, like, if this one needs a break, give it a break and go to the next one. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's about... For so long, yeah. yeah. Mm. And so what did that incident, the Rena grounding, teach you about yourself and your whānau? Talents, skills, um, who to avoid, <laughs> <laughs> who to be tactful with. The, the beauty of it all, though, is because we're all on the same reanga. We're all cousins a lot of respect for each other because we've all got mokos now. And you have a moko, like literally on your moko kanohi, a oh, kauai. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud I got this, you know. Yes. It's it's actually like fulfilling my journey as a wahine Māori. My moko, he lives with us so, and he was actually proud too. Yeah, I have six mokos. So, you know, there's a bit of a legacy there. Yes. <laughs> 
Today, the Astrolabe Community Trust administer funds to assist with the environment, social and cultural impact of Otaiti Reef. The Trust works alongside two advisory groups, the Kaitiaki Reference Group and the Independent Technical Advisory Group. They report to the Bay of Plenty Regional Council. Now, for the most part, the group oversees the access, monitoring and management of the reef. Back to Motiti Island, Irihapiti says the physical remnants are still visible. When we went to our urupa over there, because, oh, you know, you can't help it, but you look out, look out at the ocean views. Mm, yeah. And then all I could see was um, containers that had sunk just below our urupa. Oh. And, and it took them ages to get rid of those because of the, you know, rocky shoreline. And they broke up and caused all the rubbish inside it came out. This is the first time I've actually spoken mm. about my time on Mōtiti <laughs> during the Rena. And I don't know, if I feel like I owe it to some people to reflect on that time and also to, you know, show my gratitude on behalf of all of us for what was done over there and to commemorate those that, you know, that we lost since then. Some were very close. My daughter, who was the island liaison for the volunteers on Mōtiti, she lost her life two years later. My father, who who really enjoyed taking all the workers, the SCAT teams, what they call SCAT teams for Maritime New Zealand, and volunteers around the island to help clean up and assess damages and whatnot, he thoroughly enjoyed himself. He passed away a year later. Yeah, so it did take a toll on our family, but we persevered. You know, it may seem like 10 years ago being a long time, but it's actually still fresh in my mind. Yeah. Dixon. One of the coordinators during the Rena cargo ship incident in 2011 who shared her personal reflections during that time. Brothers Ross and Graham Brown are both photographers. In 2011, they were hired by Maritime New Zealand to take photos during the Rena disaster. Four days of work turned into four months. They took thousands of photos from the many wildlife rescues and releases, the volunteer crews to literally hanging from a wire attached to a helicopter photographing the shipwreck. Now this year, on the 5th of October, the brothers chose 20 photos as part of a public display at Coronation Park, Mount Maunganui, to commemorate the 10th anniversary. We got a call one day 10 years ago from Maritime New Zealand and saying, look, can you help out for about three or four days? Um, 
photographing some of this stuff and problem on the beach with arena grounding. Um, you'd know the headquarters for the command centre was in the old supermarket opposite the boys' high school. Cameron Road, yes. Yeah, Cameron Road. Um, so I ended up there at 7 o'clock that morning, the next, yeah, on that morning, and um, uh, was instructed to head to uh, the airport uh, where I got onto a um, Sea Sprite helicopter, a Navy helicopter, and we were ferrying out the first um, people from Maritime New Zealand to um, actually land onto the uh, ship to survey the, the damage and, and what was happening on the ship. So they winched them down, and um, the, it was quite neat. Um, as they winched the guys down, you know, they landed on the ship, and then the winches came up, and the pilot said to me in this lovely Texas accent, <laughs> and his name was Ryan Brown, which was pretty cool. He said, um, how, how's it all going? And I said, oh, any chance of um, getting a little bit closer? And in this lovely Texas accent, absolutely, sir. And the next minute all I see was water as the helicopter banked around, and then as it came horizontal again, there was a ship um, in, just right outside there. So that was, that was quite an exciting time. Um, the the beaches started having uh, oil washed up, and that was a really interesting thing because part of the, so our exhibition that we've put on is obviously a street exhibition with twenty photos on mm. ten big panels, and they're, they're over one point eight meters wide. And we would have had Graham, and seriously, we would have had over thousands of images. Mm, oh, absolutely, you know, and over that over that four months and uh, of the initial, and then over the year. After mm. that, because we had a celebration of a year, you know, and all that. Yes. Um, so, so for that year, yeah, there was there was thousands of images. So I think one of the things, so the, the oil washed up on the beach, and the first response was very formal tape across the beach, typical sort of government response. And I was yeah. really proud of Tauranga because we said no, it's our beach, and the community went down to the beach and started picking it up, much to the horror of the officials who were going to, say, ban everybody. But then they realised that, hang on a minute, um, this could work. And then they put in some safety protocols where mm. you had a suit and they issued suits to everybody and, and you had to um, walk through this stuff with gumboots on and all the rest of it. And they actually took the community on board, which was an absolutely amazing step. And hundreds, literally hundreds of people turned out picking oil up by their hands, yeah. and there was a whole lot of little beads, little, I don't know, how yeah. would you describe them, little the horrendous plastic beads. beads. Yeah. Yeah. And they were had sieves and they were sieving the beach. They said, we're reclaiming our beach. We're not going to, we're not going to just let it go. It's our beach. We love it. And the community came out and they s- supported it. And that was something that we, we've tried to illustrate as well. So the exhibition isn't just... 20 photos of the boat cracking up. Yeah. We decide we've got, uh, amongst that, we've got uh, a picture of some birds being released, which was great. We've got a little penguin all, cover, you know, being washed at the wildlife centre. Um, there's things like uh, the army there cleaning the beach up. And we've even got the Prime Minister John Key at a press conference to show the media attention. Mm. And it was world media attention. In fact, our, every day our photos would go into a pool and and then be sent around the world. And not it was about a month after, the or two months after, about the December, um, there was a salvage person doing 
the video exclusively. They went back to Australia and nobody did it. So we um, came on board and picked up that role. Wow. And we did uh, mm-hmm. interviews for television and we did the television footage for BBC, um, CNN, all that oh, sort so of stuff. So video and we did, photography. Yes, yeah. so yeah. Graham concentrate a lot on the photography as well as I was, we would we, team tag. Yeah, yeah. With Motiti Island obviously there's a strong Māori community on mm. there and you know as photographers it's obviously we're seeing the Im- images through your lens but did you capture you know how the impact of the whānau on Motiti Island mm. um, all those sorts of images? Well I think the thing that you know we did go to a couple of meetings there mm. and we could see the grief and pain and and it wasn't just like something and washed up on their beach, it's somebody had evaded their home, and we could see that, and it was quite hard to, in a still image, capture emotion. Um, but we ha- did have some shots of them, um, and we had to do it from the air of them cleaning up along the timber and things like that. But I think the, I think it's very clear to say that this was very close to them, and and the. Um, the emotional felt was was very much of that. Hmm. So thousands of images, but 20 make the cut. Oh, we're looking at maybe producing a, a book of some sort. I was going to say, that would you be know, amazing. Just, of, um, t- just to put in, in photographs, obviously, hmm. just to portray the... the a wider, yeah. Yeah, a bigger, a bigger scan of it all, you know. Hmm. And, I mean, of course, our story, like I said before, is only one strand of the rope. Hmm. Every person that worked on... And, and around and volunteered and yes. did all that, they've got their stories as well, yes. you know. And so we're, we're giving you our story. Yep. But we acknowledge that there are, there are many, many more stories out there. And, mm. and I think anybody that worked on the actual uh, Rena recovery, the, the, um, the, the penguins, the, the doctoral birds that yeah. they moved, which, and they did a lot of um, preempting with those doctorals from down the coast. Um, and all, that, all, all the people that got involved in it, they all have their story. Kia ora, Ross and Graham Brown, the official photographers of the Rena disaster in Tauranga back in 2011. Now we have posted some of those photos. Head to rnz.co.nz forward slash tiahika. He mihi tēnei kia koutou katoa, kua ariari mai o koutou tāringa ki tēnei hōtaka. Subscribe to the podcast, search RNZ, Tiahika, wherever you access your podcast. To get in touch, email tiahika at rnz.co.nz. Enjoy your long weekend and the rest of your week. E rere nā tai mihi kia koutou katoa, mauri tū, mauri ora.